Hello, everyone, and welcome to Philosophy Friday. I am joined today by Stoffer Toberg. Wait, is, is that how you pronounce your last name? I go by Tuborg here. Tuborg, uh, but, Tuborg. But look, I, I, I answer to anything. It's pretty easy. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so Stoffer Tuborg is one of the brightest game executives I know. And today we're going to be talking about organizational theory versus implementation, meaning that I believe that in many companies, there are a lot of conceptual frameworks that are discussed and communicated within the company, but more often than not, they remain at the conceptual level and never really installed. And I think company culture is a really good example of this. Many game CEOs or executives often talk about how their company is a certain way. We believe in X, Y, or Z. Our company culture is like this, but actually on the ground, employees may actually not behave in the ways that management desires or that is kind of documented by the set of company values that's written on the walls. And so um, even at my company, Leela Games, we have a set of company values. We've documented it. It's on our website. We communicate a lot, of, lot about our values. But what I found was that communication was not enough. So even if we communicated our values, and even if you know we talk about it very regularly in weekly all-hands meetings and things like that, I was personally not that happy with the installation of the conceptual stuff. Not to say all of our employees, but certainly some of our employees didn't sort of walk the walk, even though they could sort of talk the talk on this. And so um, this is a topic I'd really love to talk to you guys about today. I asked Stoffer for advice on this topic, and I thought he had a lot of great insights, which I wanted to share with the audience today. But before we dive into that, Stoffer, just to establish your credentials, because you're such an impressive guy with a great background in gaming, could you, um, for the audience, could you talk a little bit about your background? Hey folks, this podcast is made possible through the support of Data.ai, the industry's most trusted mobile data intelligence and analytics platform. With Data.ai, you can access estimates for rankings, downloads, revenue, usage, or engagement from millions of apps on the App Store and Google Play. And you can drill down by platform, device, country, category, date, and more. So whether you are a mobile marketer, mobile product manager, strategist, or analyst, or a games company founder like myself, Data.ai provides insights and metrics you need to make informed decisions. With Data.ai, mobile game companies can prioritize features, improve usage, explore demographics, track competitors, mar monitor market share, enhance app store optimization, and much more. Anyway, check it out. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, I, I don't really think of my background as very impressive. I think, <laughs> I think I was like one of the last generations of kind of dumb people who snuck in at, at like entry-level roles many years ago, but you're I, very humble. <laughs> I, I, I spent, I spent a few years at a company called CCP games to start uh, where I ended up being the lead game designer of an old MMO called Eve online. Um, and then I left from there to join riot games uh, where I was up until this July, actually for, for, for almost nine years working primarily on league of legends and uh, the mobile offering wild rift. Uh, and since then, I have moved on to a startup called uh, Clockwork Labs, uh, where I'm the EP, and um, we're working on a, a new MMO called uh, Bitcraft Online that I'm uh, super, uh, super excited about. And yeah, we've, we've uh, met a few times and, and, and talked about different, different kind of organizational challenges. Right. And so maybe now just to 
kick things off and, and dive right in. So I, I think, you know, company culture is a concept many people talk about, many executives talk about. I actually also ran a survey um, earlier this year amongst a bunch of game company CEOs and the number one, what they considered to be critical, even over fundraising, even over a company strategy was company culture. But I feel like if you were to ask any two people in a company, what is company culture? And even beyond that, like, how would you differentiate values versus culture? How would you define those things? I, I think you get a lot of different responses. And so I wanted to just kind of level set the audience by just kind of understanding from your perspective, Stoffer, you know, how do you think about that? How would you define values, company culture, um, in, in your opinion? Yeah. I think I think first of all, to your point, I think you know uh, they're not implemented well in many places. I actually think employees should think about them much more deeply than they do today. I think as I've kind of aged and and kind of figured out where I want to go with my career, uh, the the cultures and values of the, the companies that I want to join are actually one of the more important things. And and I think people underestimate that when they take a job. I think there's a real difference between finding a workplace you didn't like and finding one that was really like your tribe that that's really important to you. And, and I think just like if you're not a founder out there and, and you're thinking about switching jobs or going somewhere else, make that a part of your thinking because I think you'll be much, much happier wherever you go. But that's kind of just like a, a, a slight detour. Like, like I think, I think, I think there's really three levels and I think you've mentioned this, but, but a lot of people skip the most important part is that, there's values which which are optional to have, right? You can sit down and define those for your company if you feel like that's important. I happen to think it's incredibly important, uh, but you know you don't have to do it to, to have a company. Uh, and then there's the portion that I think is the hardest part of it that people skip over and I think understand poorly, which is the I think you called it implementation. I've seen it called like practice or integration or installation. I actually think of it as immersion because that's really what it is. It's it's really your your company having something that's always present and there around them all the time. And then the third part is like the outcome of all that is your culture, right? And and culture exists at a workplace and it's just how how people interact, how they solve problems. And it always exists, no matter if you've chosen to have values or not. Values are just a way of guiding it in a direction that, that you're invested in. And and so so that's kind of I think how I how I think about it, right? Culture exists. Um whether you like it or not, it's it's present every day. Values are something that you choose to have to try and guide that culture. And then there's the middle step around um, around how you actually, you know, saying that something is something is not the same as everyone doing that. And that's kind of the, the immersion portion of it, which I think is really where, where people do uh, really screw it up, to be quite honest. Right. And maybe I could get your take on. So I've kind of after, you know, kind of struggling with this issue at our company, I've kind of evolved my thinking a little bit in terms of being a little bit more precise in terms of definitions. And so this is just my own personal definition. But um, the way that I view things now in terms of values versus culture is that I think of values as like the set of principles or philosophies that that you want the company to support. And then I view culture as the specific implementation based upon the, the team or the specific work environment that you're operating with, right? So um, for example, like we are, we're building in India and given there's a lot of culture, well, there's a lot of more like Indian cultural context, the working environment, the labor laws, the, all the things that are specific to that, um, to that specific geography. And so kind of like the way that I've, 
uh, that I view it is that we have a set of values, which is the principles, the, the things that we need to do to help us be as successful as possible. But then the specific way in which it manifests at a, in an office like India versus Silicon Valley may be slightly different. And so the culture would be that, to your point, I agree with your definition in terms of the, the operating rules and how you interact with one another. That would be how I would define culture, but that it might be different. Um, for different offices, even though the values themselves remain the same. I, I, I don't know how you would react to that or um, yeah. react to my definition well, of that. Well, I think that's a good definition. And I think you touched on something that's pretty interesting, which is that I think, you know, as, as you know, I'm half Danish, half Swedish, I grew up in Europe, I, I, I've moved over here now. And, and I think the way I think about values is pretty rooted in that cultural background. And you have a unique challenge in, in that you may be presenting values or stuff like that that's not really rooted in what your employees um, have, right? So I'll, I'll give you a really interesting uh, specific conflict that, 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 that I think I ran into, right? I mean, it, one of the old Riot values was uh, challenge convention, right? And then we did a co-dev with a Chinese studio where we're challenging convention and openly arguing about things are very much not part of the cultural fabric. Right. So, uh, so I think, so I think, um, uh, and I think that touches a, a little bit about one of the problems that you mentioned as well, is that like, well, your, your cult, your, your values or the stuff that you're really excited about has to also be, be useful and resonant with your employees, right? Culture isn't something that you can just bang on people's heads. It has to be something, uh, you know, to my point earlier about thinking about where you're going with your career, it has to be something that your employees are excited about and makes sense to them, right? I, I, you know, you, you can't have someone who's like, oh, I don't really love that value, then they'll probably probably never love that value and the company's not right for them. So so I think there's a flip side to that as well, right? Which is that if your company's work, if your company's values aren't working, it's really not on the employees, it's you, really you as, as the person who runs the company. Right, and maybe before kind of moving on to sort of values or cultural installation. I'd, I'd love to also explore the, the point that you raised about how important it is for employees to really think about, is this the right company for me? Yeah. And I, I do think that to your point, like I feel that that is such a huge waste of time, right? Like when, if you're joining a company and you don't do the research and you, you don't really think about, is this the right company for me? Is this the right um, environment for me to be working in. I, I do think that there's a uh, huge potential for like inefficiency and waste. You go there, it doesn't work out. And then, you know, you, you have to, then you quit or you're fired. And, and so I, I definitely agree that like, that's something that people should be uh, more cognizant of and kind of like the way that I describe it to a lot of the people that I talk to our, to our employees is that, and, and I hope that becomes increasingly um, better accepted is that I, I feel like the other way to think about culture is like, you know, it might be a stupid analogy, but I liken it to different flavors of ice cream, right? And so there, there could be vanilla ice cream that supports like work-life balance and, you know, like, you know, having a certain kind of um, lifestyle associated with your work. And then you might have another company that's chocolate where it's like, okay, no, we're really hard hardworking, we're really, you know, hardcore type of company. But like, um, to your point, I think that people should try to understand what, what flavor of ice cream is right for me. Like, you might like chocolate, then go to the chocolate company instead of the vanilla ice cream company. But that's, that's um, kind of the way in which I view it. Well, I think that's true, right? I think, I think you, you largely want values that resonate with you 
uh, before you come into the company. But but there's also an accountability on making sure that the values are good, right? I think I think yeah. we just work hard. I don't think is a good value, right? That's like sure. if you're a supermarket and your commercial right. is like we charge more. That doesn't yeah. sound great, right? I mean, I think <laughs> I think I think companies have solved that by saying stuff like we'll work hard, play hard, right? And and if if I was in my 20s and and a company was like, hey, we actually we're not like regular eight hour days. We're like 10, 11 hour days, but the amount of equity you get or like every month we do this thing and, and, and we know we're asking a lot, that might be something that resonated with me. But I, but I, but but but, I'm, yeah. but like just like working hard, I think is like yeah, hard to, to, tell, right? to your point. There's got to be a setup and nuance about, OK, well, work hard. Why? What yeah. What's the situation? Yeah in which, you know, why are we working hard for re what reason? What's the objective? And then also it's got to be fair, right? It's like, you know, the thing that's always frustrated me was, um, and even in Silicon Valley was, you know, uh, a lot of management or leadership teams that really drove their employees into the ground. And then on the successful launch, it's like, hey guys, we had massive success. Thank you so much for all of the long hours that you that that you pulled and by the way you're all getting ipads <laughs> it's like, okay here's a pizza party thank you <laughs> yeah thank you for the pizza thank you for the ipad but then and then and then you know it's like and then the leadership who's not even working that hard gets all of the reward and so i mean yeah so to your point i think like um when you the values have to be right they have to make sense and i i think they have to be fair so um, they have to be exciting for some type of person, right? Yeah. And then, and then the way that you feel it in your day to day is like how they're exciting, right? And that's kind of some of the like, uh, you know, installation or, or immersion or however we do. I mean, I, th I think one of the really great, um, great examples that I feel like what, what, what I'm kind of diving back in kind of the riot bag, who, who I think was a company who did it very well. Actually, CCP did it pretty well too, but but I think in very differently, right? But but if you take like one of the old, um, uh, one of the old values, which was like take place seriously, right? You, you felt that every day, right? If you've ever interviewed with that company, you know that the first five to 10 minutes starts with a talk about video games, right? It's to relax the candidate, but it's also to really find out, like, do they love playing video games? Are they a good fit in a culture where that's like a really, really core part of it, right? And then once you're through the door, you see it through all these different like ways of immersion, right? I mean, you get like, I can't remember what it, what it is now. I think it's like you get 400 bucks for video games every year that you can just like refund off Steam or whatever. You can right. play games at work. There's like, uh, there's really a principle, which I don't know if they've kept up now that they've expanded so much, but there used to be a PC bong or a PC cafe at every every office to make sure that people could go play whenever they whenever they did, right? There's an event called Thunderdome, which is a big hackathon. And, and, and the take place seriously thing is just like, it's just such a part of culture, no matter what you do as a part of that, that life in there. And that's, that's the part that's hard, right? That's the part where, where I think companies are either highly successful with their culture and values, or it's something that they just plaster on the wall and everyone forgets about. Right. So maybe now we could talk about that part, which was um, really, um, I, I felt like really great advice you gave me when it comes to the values or cultural installation. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, if maybe we could just go back to that, um, you know, as just just for the setup for our audience, you know, I wasn't happy. And again, it wasn't all of our employees, but some employees like the manifestation or the um, support of the values, I wasn't seeing uniformly being supported. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it'd be great to hear your thoughts about, OK, you come up with a set of values or you're trying to define your culture in a certain way management 
documents it, communicates it. And so what's the next step there in terms of how the, the practice, what you're calling the practice or what I call the installation? How do you think yeah. about that? Well, well, I actually think you shouldn't communicate it before you have like a plan for installation, right? Because you might have a value that once you think about how to install it or make it successful, it doesn't, doesn't work at all, right? And okay. I think what you really want to do is you want to figure out what are the things that are really meaningful and important to you as, as someone who has a company and how do you make sure that it's meaningful and important and impactful on all the people who work for you, right? So, so and, and that can be, you know, like I said, at, at Riot for Play, it could be that, you know, you get that gift card to play games and you're encouraged to spend it. I think, you know, other, other organizations who have done it very successfully, I mean, look at, I mean, I think religious institutions do it very well. I think yeah. like the other day I was thinking about the military as well, right? When you think about like war and peacetime command, right? And the wartime command is reinforced absolutely every day through ranks, through access to different things, through like just automatically not even making culture choices, like saluting and stuff like that, right? And it and it's so ingrained and immersive in that experience. And you want to figure that out, I think, before you unveil it, right? I think if you go, these are the values, then come then people read it and they forget about it. But what you really want to do is you want to make sure you have everything in place to have people live it. Otherwise, it just becomes like a slogan, right? So, so I think that exercise and that kind of brainstorming and quite honestly, investment on, on, on company leadership's time in terms of how you live it day to day, I think is, is, is really important to have down before you do it. This is like, for me, I think coming up with, you could come up with corporate values in three minutes, but you could spend a lot of time figuring out what the implementation is and, and never get it right. And, and I think that's where people trip up because they do the first part. And, and then the middle part is kind of skipped over. Right. And I think that was the mistake that we made or I made in terms of being more structured about how do you actually install this stuff. And one of the things that you talked to me about and you kind of ran ran through with me was this notion of like, um, I forgot what you called it, but uh, like a manifestation board. And so, mm -hmm. uh, Stafford, could could you talk about that and and how and um, it's you know it's not like a super complicated exercise, but I thought it was very very valuable and kind of for me, you know, un unearth some deficiencies in which you know some of the values. It's like, oh yeah, we do this 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 this, but in other places, it's like ah, actually those are just words right now. We're not really reinforcing them with systems. But could could you talk about uh, that practice that you had recommended to me? Yeah, I think I think when you've outlined what those values are. I think you really grab, I mean, and, and this could be done, I think, with, with you know, different scales at, at, at different companies. I think there are companies who could do this collectively as the entire companies. I think my starting point would probably be some, some like founder, top level leadership team, right? And then, and then there's really like a, a kind of put your money where, the, where your mouth is. It's like, if you feel like these values are right, what are the ways that they're going to kind of manifest in, in every day? And, and, um, and I think it could be anything from like, how does it physically impact your working space or your office? How does it, what, what kind of rules or behaviors do we expect? I think, uh, I think kind of when, when you say that value, what does it mean? And it's really like a brainstorm of, of, of things that, that you want to do. I think I'll give a good example from, from CCP that I used to work at, right? And, and one of those values was transparency, right? And, and some of the ways that they figured out how to manifest that in like just the landscape of the office was that. Uh, you know, there were no closed off offices. There are no meeting. All meeting rooms were basically see through glass. You could always see what was going on. You could always walk past the meeting and see what's on the screen and kind of go, oh, they're doing something interesting. Uh, they did something pretty radical that I think in the end wasn't the right idea, but I respect them for trying. It's like on our internal like webpage, they listed the subscriber number for the MMO. And, and this is like, I'm dating myself a little bit, but this is basically back when like there were two 
two revenue models. There was basically subscription-based and box-based before free-to-play, right? So, so it was really your lifeblood, and you could really see how the company was, was doing every single day when you logged in. And those are some of the physical manifestations of that value that company had. And, and I think you just want to go through that brainstorming exercise and go, what are the ways that this is going to touch people in their day-to-day life? And, 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 then, and then really when you have that is when you can roll out your values, and I don't think you should roll them out before. Right. And so to your point, like for every value, what is that value? And then what is the manifestation or the initiatives that reinforces that value? What are all those things that that you want to do or or exist in the company? And that's a practice that we're rolling out right now. And I, I, you know, definitely felt like that was great advice from you. Um, And by the way, I would say if you go through that exercise and you have values that are hard to implement, you may want to reconsider whether that's a value, right? Because it's yeah. also a soft test on whether the choice is right for the company, because you might be in a situation where you have a value that you know your people can't live up to, you have no way of implement, uh, manifesting, and is it even worth using then? It's probably not. And I think right. the highly successful ones are the ones that you can manifest frequently and, and powerfully. And 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 again, it, you know, in a way that that hopefully you could use this in a very negative way, right? You could you 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 could go like, oh well, our value is that people are here for eleven hours, and 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 that's that's <laughs> that's obviously also not how it should be to be done. I think I think the places where it's done well, you you create a culture where where people feel like they're in a place where they fit and they belong, and that the company is run in a way that makes them really happy coming to work. And obviously, on the company side, you know, you you get something out of it as well, right? There there is. There is some shape of your product in your organization that you think will make you win. Right. And maybe like the next question I can ask you, Stafford, just because I think that the, um, the consensus view on company culture is that it's critical. And I think like I mentioned, I you know had this survey amongst 50 game company CEOs, number one by far company culture. That's the most important, more important than fundraising, blah, 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 everything else. But then I think if we were to ask, you know, well, then how important is it to a company to have strong values or a culture? And I think if you were to really see how much time is spent by game company leadership teams on culture and values, I mean, certainly there are exceptions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure Riot probably spends a lot of time on stuff like that. Not every company does, despite saying that it's so important. So I, I was wondering if we if I could get your perspective more like not like the the tap dance answer, like we always get the tap dance answer from game CEO guys. And even, even I'm trying to really better articulate, okay, like I, I fundamentally understand why it's important. And I feel that, you know, unless we stick to these principles, implement these things in this way, I don't think we can be successful. But from your perspective, could you speak upon why you think it is so important to have strong values or culture in, in a company? Yeah. Well, uh, so I don't want to sound like a like a nihilist here. I think, uh, but but like I don't think anything is important unless you have a good purpose for it, right? So okay. so I think I have really strong opinions around uh, you know frameworks that solve certain problems in time, but but I'm not yeah. married to any one thing. I think okay. if you're a two man company, right? Let's say you and I started a company and we knew that we just really wanted to make games together and we're never going to scale past that and and yeah. we're just going to do that for the rest of our lives. Culture and values might not matter, right? I mean, culture right. and values is a way of retaining something as you grow. So, so I think it's it's important in situations where uh, where you're a growing company that has something they a goal that they want to reach. Um, but I don't think everyone should be married to it, right? You could start a five man company and not have values and culture 
and take it seriously until you're 25, right? I mean, that might be the right, the right choice for your company. I think that it's one of the most important ways for you to continue making the product that you're really passionate about in an environment that scales endlessly, right? So, right. so if, if you and I start a company together, our values and cultures are really unsaid and we probably telepathically kind of know it from working together and wanting right. to do this, but that just doesn't scale at, at, at kind of the, the, the right way, right? And I think for, um, you know, to dig into another right example, which is like players first, that's a way to scale decision-making uh, in, in, in like a thousand man company, right? So, so if you're starting that company and you're just like, man, we really want to make something that players really love. And we want to make sure that that's at the forefront of every decision we make. And we think that's our superpower. When you bring guy number 900 in, he might be coming from a different company and go like, man, I'd really like to just monetize the hell out of everything. And, and that pre-alignment happens at the values and culture stage. So, so you don't have to manually tell everyone what to do at every decision, right? So, so, you know, hopefully it's, it, it hones your decision-making in to consistently make something you're really passionate about and something you think will win. And, and that's why I think it's important. And I think if I were to start a company, it would be one of the first things I did and, and I would, but, but, but again, you know, um, there's probably companies who haven't defined this at all, who are small and managed to do really well without it. And that's fine too. I mean, it's right. not like, uh, um, it's not that like you can't be successful without it. I just feel pretty passionately that it, that it's one of the things that, that, um, that helps guide success. And I think for me too, I think it, it kind of dictates, you know, the, the people you're around and what you do and how you feel about it. I think, um, uh, I think it was a big change for me going from CCP, which was a company I loved, but it was also a company that I think hired for pretty hard skills um, over necessarily games, right? And, you know, people would leave at five and, and, and go home and, you know, do whatever they did. And then coming into an environment where everyone, you know, was was living and breathing games just like me and it was just a an environment that i loved being in so so for me as someone who chose it, it it was it was really important so the flip side of that is like you also want to create an environment uh that that you want to work in right so yeah so i really like the way that you're thinking about it which is really kind of like if i could uh, rephrase what you're saying is like culture and values is a way of maintaining a consistent workplace operating system as the company grows um which i think makes a lot of sense yeah and, and it aligns in so many ways right it, it aligns workplace behavior product decisions hiring decisions everything right it's a really powerful thing where if you get it right you're just going to like shave a layer of problems off that everyone else is going to have to deal with as they grow right so maybe maybe like another question i can ask you then is like when it comes to misalignment and i, I will say that to your point before we talked about employees should make make sure that they're they actually support the values and culture of a company. They should do more research before they join. And I think that's true. But I also think like in my experience, like I actually created a values deck for myself and I had sent it out to companies before I joined them. And I said, hey, this is how I am. This is what I believe in. If you know, if you don't think this is a good fit, don't hire me. <laughs> but they hired me anyway. <laughs> And, and, and so, and, and then it became very clear, like some of the things I believe in, like very direct communication and things like that yeah. was a misalignment at the company I joined, or even in our company today, you know, we document our values. I have like a presentation, uh, multiple presentations, as well as like links that real, that, that have us speaking about culture and things like that. But then there's some people who are you know, kind of like the philosophy is I'm just going to get in the door and then yeah. I'll work it out. And it's like, ah, oh, why did you do that? We were so clear on what, what our expectations and what our culture is like. And now that you join, you, you, 
then they're just like, well, I actually, I'm like this, not like this. And it's like, ah, why did you do that? Now I have to let you go. Right. So then for misalignment, how do you, how do you think about reacting to that? Do you just let them go or like how much leeway or slack do you, do would you, would you consider for employees if there isn't a perfect fit? Yeah. I think it's interesting. And I think to your point, there's companies who don't take this seriously. And then, and then people who take jobs who don't take it seriously. And I wish everyone would, but that's probably just because I'm passionate and I think this stuff is cool. And that probably makes me a little bit of a dork more than, than, than most, most other people who, who think about this. But, but, but to your point, I, I do think it's a problem, right? Either like the example you said, where you're just like, Hey, this is who I am. And, and the org maybe not cares about culture and values. And they just go, that's fine. Come on through the door or, or people who take jobs who just don't go through it or, or aren't cognizant about what, what the stuff that they care about. I think, I think um, in terms of interviewing, I, I think obviously, you know, uh, a lot of Silicon Valley companies will use like a star model that focuses down a lot more on like soft skills over, over hard skills. And mm-hmm. I think part of that soft skill focus, um, I, I think should focus on, focus on figuring out how people fit, fit into culture and values. I think it's a really, um, I think saying culture fit in, in interview terms is like really overused and, and beaten to death. But, but the, at the core of it is it's really important, right? You need to figure out whether you're a match for that person and that person is a match for you. And I think it really starts there, right? So, so I think that has to be a really key part of the interview process. Um, and then once you get in, I think one, you should allow people a window to kind of get off the train if they need to. If, if you come in and you figure out the environment isn't right for them, I think it's actually really important for you as a company to let people leave gracefully and with some help rather than retain them, right? Because if you can have someone come in and be a bad influence and, and do poorly in your company for a year, that's much more expensive than you saying, hey, we're going to pay you two months if, uh, to, to walk out the door if you're really uncomfortable, right? So, so I, think, I think that's one thing, that's one thing that, that I think, you know, don't, you know, it's hard to change jobs and it's hard to leave. And I think, uh, I think employees knowing that, that if they made the right choice that they could go somewhere else, I think is pretty good. And then to your portion, which is like, how do you align um, how do you align people and, 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 and when do you let people go? I think ultimately, um, if you can tie your values back to results, I, I, I think that's pretty important. I actually think that, um, that that's another thing that I think many companies really underestimate is like, well, if you have those, um, if you have those requirements and, and all those like implementations exist, well, you can, you can sometimes trace it back, right? I think, you know, you said that at your company, hard work is, is kind of part of it. And if the expectation is that people work hard and, and there's certain results tied to that, then, then if people don't, don't like that or don't follow that, then there's probably something you can tie it back to. What I will say is saying, um, saying you're going to get fired because you're not like a cultural fit, I think is like a little loosey. And I think, I think it's like, I think it's a pretty questionable practice, right? I think, you know, you'll, you can have a lot of probably well-founded discrimination lawsuits and, and it's like a little too soft, I think, to just kind of let someone go. Uh, but I do think you can, you can tie uh, results around some of your values you care about. You can talk to people about how they feel about those values and if they don't resonate, help them out the door. So, so I think, you know, you want to make sure that, that you run a company where everyone is, is kind of on board with that with, with some acceptance that some percent of your companies are probably, are probably not going to have that fit uh, some of the time and you have to kind of work with that. But, um, but I think firing someone because they're not aligned with the values, I think can, can, can be pretty tricky. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Um, just to provide a little bit of additional context, I, I, I spoke to another game company CEO about you know this, this notion about cultural installation. And one of the bits of advice he gave me is like, 
you know, at some point you're going to have to look at your employees and the biggest way to change your culture is essentially to fire somebody. Right. And so, um, that was his point is like, you know, there might be some people who aren't aligned with your culture, but, you know, you can continue to try and, and, you know, um, change somebody, but, you know, people don't typically change. And so then when, when it, it comes to this point about, you know, when do you, what kind of, um, cultural inconsistency is enough or the specifics around when does it make sense to let someone go or not? I, I completely agree is a very, very tricky issue. Yeah. Uh, well, what I will say this, and, and one of the things that I am a really firm believer in is like executive accountability, right? I, I think, mm -hmm. you know, ultimately if there's something wrong with your culture and values, the only person who can really change that is, 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 is you as well. And, and I understand why that person said that the only change you can do is to fire people. But I also think that's like, treating the problem and not this or the symptoms and not like the cause of it. Right. Which is like, well, if, if, if you navigate culture by terminating people, I think that's like really destructive compared to having good guardrails for when people come in there. Right. hundred percent. And maybe to your point on that, and, and I think it would be very valuable for the audience to learn more about as well is that. So for example, so if you hired somebody who's not a good cultural fit, maybe it's your fault. Like, you know, how did you, how did you interview these people and did you do enough to check for a cultural fit or not before? And so I, and this is another, um, another area where, uh, for our audience, where I, I felt like Stoffer, you gave me some great advice with respect to like, um, how to better structure recruiting. Could you talk a little bit more, go into a little bit more depth. You talked about the star model, but could you talk a little bit more about your, your thinking and philosophy about how you should be structuring your recruitment process and how by, you know, implementing some of these things, it could be helpful so that you do have a better uh, cultural fit. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say, first of all, you said that like, if you hire someone, you fire them, it, it could be your fault. I think you are always accountable for that, right? You, you are yeah, always yeah. the person accountable for the hire and, 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 and ultimately the successes and, 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 uh, and failures of people come in, I think is, is always a reflection on you and you want to make sure that you keep that number somewhere high, high across the 50% line. Right. So, yep. uh, so, I th so I think that that's, that's really important. Um, I, th I think to kind of the star model and like, um, some of the stuff it gets at, I think, I think my base assumption, and by the way, this is, I'm going to paint it out in a pretty black and white way right now. I think there's, there's a lot of nuance, especially to different types of companies and startups. Right. But I think, um, but I think my base philosophy is that like um, hard skills can, can be taught and soft skills are significantly harder to, to teach. Um, and, and a lot of times the soft skills and, and those values kind of have some overlap. So it's a really good way of testing stuff. Right. So, um, so, so, uh, and, and again, this will be different for, for a startup potentially, because sometimes you just need a superstar through the door who can solve a problem. But, but I think if we're just like in an open field, I, I would always hire the person who has really strong soft skills and assume that they can learn learn the hard skills down down the road. Um, and then and then again, you know, there's a whole bunch of like uh, adaption you can take to kind of this the startup uh, uh, the startup hiring. I think I, I guess um, in terms of this, w what would be good to go into? Because I think I have like the like how do you model your employee th type thing around like, are you, are you like growing new talent or you, uh, or that type of stuff? Right. Or like, what are some of the key considerations or things that people should be testing for? How can they, how yeah. can they um, restructure their interview process to be more, uh, to be more predictive of whether someone's going to be a good cultural fit or not? Maybe just kind of high level explain 
yeah. star. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so for, I'll, I'll, I'll give a good example um, right now is that I think where, where I'm at now, you know, we're, we're a small company. And I think we value people who can do multiple things, right? If we can have a whole bunch of people who are pretty entrepreneurial and have um, and have uh, and have a good experience having done different things, right? If I can get an artist who's a little bit technical, that's really great. If I can get a, a designer who's a little bit of an artist, I think that's really great too. And and what we really probe for is like kind of the enthusiasm uh, around those multiple skills, or, or kind of trying to get to some of that that type of stuff. We're, we're a fully remote company, so I care deeply about teamwork, right? I care deeply about how they've solved problems in the past, and it's not really as much about um, whether you know they they move their revenue up ten percent. What I really want to try and understand is how they they solve different problems, right? I think a really really uh, a really traditional teamwork question on like a star interview is like, tell me about a time you got critical feedback, right? And and you want uh, and you want someone to I think loosely go by the SBI model, which is like situation behavior impact, right? Which is that like in this situation, I did this and the impact was this and someone else told me. And you really want the person to demonstrate that they took that feedback seriously, how they thought about it, what kind of their course of correction was, really more than whether or not, you know, the piece of feedback was something broke and they saved like a million dollars by fixing it, right? That's not really what you're fishing for. You're really fishing for, for how people think about things and, and, and yeah, their, their soft skills. Okay. And maybe just as a last question for you, Stoffer, it, basically, I, I like the point that you raised about, you know, maybe you need to bring in a superstar that may not fit the culture for a specific problem. And that kind of reminds me of, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, NBA basketball, but there's a coach, Phil Jackson, who had what he called the Dennis Rodman rule. Basically, like, Dennis Rodman did not fit the team's culture. And it's, and so one of the questions he asks is, who do we hold the bus for? If, if, um, if, you know, if you're late, so, you know, Phil Jackson was really, really harsh in terms of discipline, right? He wanted all of his players, including Michael Jordan to be highly disciplined, but he said, okay, but we have the Dennis Rodman rule for that one player, because he fulfills a very specific need. We will hold the bus for him only, but nobody else. So. Uh, maybe you could go into your thoughts on should people have these exceptions for a specific problem? What do you think, um, you know, what is your take in terms of having some kind of Dennis Rodman rule for exceptions? It's, it's so interesting because I actually talked to a talent person about this just last week. And oh, okay. I'll, I'll give you my principle and then I'll tell you what I told that talent person, even though I feel a little bit bad. And, and I, hope, <laughs> I, hope, I, I hope I won't offend anyone. Um, I, I, I don't like that rule. I think, okay. look, I mean, you can run your company in, in a million different ways. I think you can have that rule and be very successful. It's not for me. I think you call it what the talented asshole or the brilliant asshole or whatever. And and for me, uh, I, I, I don't think that's right. I think you can situationally use that person. I think the way I frame it is the only situation that I would bring someone on like that would be a contractor to solve a specific thing. If I was like, hey, we'll bring you on for a month to solve this specific thing, I would probably do it. But as a full-time employee that works closely with other people in the company I'm in, I don't really believe in it. And again, that's my personal philosophy. Um, but I did get asked by a talent person exactly that question. What was like, and, and the question was, I think, what do we do about the talented asshole? And I said, we let Ubisoft hire them. And so, <laughs> so by the way, if there's anyone who works for Ubisoft out there, I'm very sorry. That wasn't intentionally about your company, but, uh, but, but yeah, it, it doesn't really align with my values. I, I think, I think I prefer in terms of, values and culture, right? I, 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 
you know, I prefer soft skills. I prefer teams that can work together and solve problems. Uh, I, I think you have such a high access to talent if you have a, a good workplace where people have psychological safety and can challenge each other in the right way. And I don't think that person fits there. Uh, if you need someone to go and like spin up a data center on their own in two months in the desert in Las Vegas or something like that, fine, hire them to do that. But I don't, I don't think I'd ever bring them on as, as full-time people in the team. And again, that is not the right way to do it. That's, that's the way that resonates with me. I think, uh, you know, people are free to kind of, I mean, there's companies that swear by that and okay. that's fine. Yeah. I, um, just maybe a final comment for me is that I, I do think like to your point on, on assholes, I, I think that there are a lot of companies with a no asshole rule. But what I haven't seen is the definition of an asshole, right? So like, it's like, hey, no assholes at this company. But it's like, okay, what is an asshole, right? And then there's, there's different philosophies and thinking behind what that is. So anyway, yeah. that's so, something I'm actually going to uh, talk about um, in a future yeah. podcast. But I uh, definitely think that's, um, that, that's an interesting yeah. thing that I'm seeing. I actually just did a – I just did a um... – um, for like a 360 thing for a prep, I did a presentation on a few different like feedback models like SBI that I mentioned before, but okay. there's also radical candor, which, which I think incorporates like kind of the asshole person, but in a, in an interesting way where, where there's, I think you can kind of split them into two people. There's people who kind of know they're an asshole and they, and they don't care. And then there's people who think they're well-meaning assholes, uh, right. Who, who, uh, I think, you know, um, try to do the right thing, but do it in, in, in a bad way. And, yeah. uh, and I think, it, and I think it's important to have that like asshole nuance, <laughs> if that's a thing. Yeah. And but, actually, um, Tony Fidel, who worked with Steve Jobs for like 15 years, he actually wrote a book called Build. Hmm. And in that book, he actually, to your point, he puts a nuance there. Here are yeah. the four kinds of assholes. Asshole one, yep. two, three, four. <laughs> yep. 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 But, yeah. Yeah. In, anyway. in general, it's not for me. I, you know, I've been in environments okay. where they existed. I thought it was terrible for some people, you know, you know. I mean, some would say that Steve Jobs was was kind yeah. of that asshole, and obviously Apple has has been has been a moderately successful little startup that you know kind of, <laughs> uh, is is huge. So you know, it's, different things work for different people, and yeah. again, that's just the values you define. Yeah. I mean, that, that Chocolate be... ice cream, it's it's different. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. All right, Stoffer. Well, thank you so much for your time. I definitely appreciate all your wisdom, and for our audience, and for me personally as well. Thank you so much for uh, all the time you've spent uh, advising me as well. So for our audience, that's it. Catch you all next time. Bye. Hey, thanks for having me on, Joe. And sorry for everyone who works at Ubisoft. I didn't know. <laughs> all right, thanks. Bye.